Hello, RSA members, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Lauren Lamparter, and I am your RSA immediate past president and a PGY2 at the University of Illinois Chicago. Today, we have our first session following our AAEM RSA resident labor rights panel discussion, which took place at Scientific Assembly in New Orleans. This panel discussion will be posted later for you to reference, so we are not going to cover many of the basics of what a union is, its pros and cons, and more that we covered in the panel. Instead, this is meant to build on those initial conversations with a deeper dive into some questions for some experts in the field of resident unionization. Today, we're here to discuss the logistics which go into unionizing a residency and the bargaining that ensues following the recognition of a resident union. With me to discuss this, I have Dr. Lena Carlton and Dr. Nikki Alberti, who are both residents in the Combined Emergency Medicine Internal Medicine Residency Program at the University of Illinois Chicago, and they have both been very active members in unionization efforts at our residency program. Thank you so much for both being here today, Dr. Carlton and Dr. Alberti. To get us started, will both of you talk about how you became interested in the unionization efforts and which aspects of unionization you've particularly been involved in? Do you want to go first, sure. Lena? Yeah, thank you so much for that introduction. Um, I'm Lena Carlton. I'm one of the third-year residents in the EMIM program at UIC. Um, I really came to medicine from a social justice background, and unionization and labor rights sort of fit nicely within that same realm. Um, I started residency in 2020 when there had already been a unionization effort that had started in the previous academic year, uh, but that had been curtailed by the pandemic in the early months. So when I started residency, there was a new energy uh, to continue the unionization process. And I was excited to be involved in those early stages. Yeah, and so hello, my name is Nikki Alberti. I am a second year EMIM resident. And so I actually did not really know anything about unionizing or the labor movement coming into residency. I uh, did do a, a master's in public health before going to medical school. So public health and community health are something that I'm really passionate about. And um, serving the underserved was something I did a lot in medical school with like street runs and uh, homelessness medicine. So um, I became aware of the union through a classmate of mine who's really passionate about it. And then as I got involved, I realized that this was a huge tool to help our community, particularly at UIC, because we have a huge um, low SES population. And one, helping residents improves patient care. And two, the union really provides an opportunity to get involved within the politics and within the community directly. Absolutely. And I think it's very cool. You guys come from a very unique position being both in the emergency program and the internal medicine program, um, because you really span the breadth of the hospital. You basically encounter everybody that would be involved in the union. So that's a very cool perspective. Um, Lena, can you talk us through more of the initial unionization effort? What does it look like if some of our residents that are listening are interested in starting considering unionization? Sure. So really the first step is to sort of get a lay of the land of your own institution. Um, and this falls on several levels. You know, from a macro perspective, where is your institution located? What state are you in? What city are you in? 
what kind of hospital are you at? Private, public, academic? Um, what are the labor laws in your state? And have there been other residency unionization efforts that have sort of paved the way from a legal standpoint? Mm -hmm. On the more micro level, what is the culture at your hospital? Um, is Does unionization seem like something that many of the residents and fellows are interested in and looking to pursue as a new avenue for making change in the hospital? Um, you really need to start learning more about that ground level support um, and ensuring that you have buy-in from residents and fellows from many different departments um, who are willing to invest the time and the energy to create this new organization, even though they may not see the benefits directly, given how long it can take. Um, and, you know, if you have a culture that supports that, then you anticipate bringing in new residents who would similarly be interested in carrying that torch forward. Um, so th those are sort of the early steps from both the big picture and on the ground. That's awesome. Thank you. That was uh, really helpful. And in episode two and three, we dig in a little bit more into those details that she mentioned, both the labor laws res uh, that surround the different processes of developing a union, depending on what type of hospital you're at, and then also how to leave a lasting legacy and make sure you're really supporting the union that is left behind. Um, so stay tuned for those. But as you were involved in union, the starting out process of unionization, Lena, did you um, encounter any retribution by your program because of being involved in the unionization process? And I know that discussions are still a little bit ongoing, but um, I think that some of some of people's fear for getting involved in unionization is that they're going to suffer retribution. Definitely a valid fear. I personally did not. Um, you know, as a dual trainee, I'm fortunate to have a home in three programs, both the combined program, the EM program, and the IM program. Um, obviously, my primary program director is the EMIM program director, and I had a meeting with him directly where I, you know, mentioned that this was something that I had been involved in when we were in the process of going public, and he was very supportive because, you know, as I mentioned, I came to medicine from a social justice background, and that was a large part of what drew me to UIC to begin with. So all of my involvement with the union, I felt, was very in line with my values and the values that I had demonstrated during my interview and application process. So I don't think it came as a surprise <laughs> that yeah. this was something that I was involved with. I okay. do know that there were residents who really feared retribution, um, both on the individual sort of attending level and then on the higher program level. There were folks that feared retribution both in their day-to-day -day work, and they also feared that if they were very vocal advocates for the union, then they might risk losing things like letters of recommendation uh, for fellowship or future job prospects. And I think part of the power in building a union is leveraging the folks who are less likely to face retribution to be sort of more of the voice and more of the public face in the early stages um, and be an advocate for all residents, uh, especially those that fear retribution. For sure. Absolutely. And we um, additionally talked about in a later episode about how it is a little bit, it's anonymous when you're signing on and, and the employer never knows exactly who is agreeing to support the union um, initially. So like you said, you 
two are both faces that have taken on this effort and are willing to be the advocates for your classmates and um, have done a lot of the work. So that's a uh, thank you for speaking to all of these issues for the people that aren't sure. So Nikki, once a union has been established, what are the next steps? So um, from where Lena left off, you are like getting a lay of the land, right? You are um, collecting cards um, and understanding how many people support your union. Um, again, with the labor laws, this process can be a little bit different um, depending on whether you just need um, a majority of people signing cards or if you're gonna actually have an election. So once you have like established that you have a union, um, you become certified, the board of labor in your state recognizes you as a functioning union, and then you go to the bargaining process. So you create a bargaining committee of your um, residents who hopefully are well representative of all of the residencies in your hospital so you can accurately understand the needs of everyone. Um, and you collect a needs assessment similarly to what you would do in community medicine. You understand exactly what's important to everyone so you can write proposals that speak to those needs. Um, so you collect that needs assessment, write proposals for the things that you're hoping to change in your hospital, and then you go to the bargaining table with your institution. So something that I think is maybe misunderstood is the bargaining process, especially for a first contract, can take a long time. The average uh, bargaining process takes anywhere from 10 to 18 months. Um, luckily at UIC, we bargained for ours in 11 months. But as Lena said, the people who often start these unions are not the people who see the fruits of those labor. So that I think that that's one of the things that I find so inspiring about unions is like the person who started this and like started whispering in people's ears is not a person that's here anymore. And that's incredible that she was like, this is something that's so important to me that I want to change the landscape of medicine. But sorry, that was off track. But so then you come to the bargaining table with your proposals. You bargain with your institution for um, up to 18 months usually, and then you collect different TAs, which are tentative agreements, um, as you slowly agree on each proposal. And then once you hopefully have agreed on an entire contract, um, all of the people who have signed on to be members get to vote on that whole tentative agreement, um, that contract as a whole. And as long as that passes with a majority, then you have a new contract. And then you go into the execution and making sure that all of those things are carried out in your hospital phase, which is where we're at. Very cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of different steps. And like you guys have both reiterated, it doesn't necessarily come to fruition in a year or so as you continue to launch this. So this so for UIC has been a now a three-year process, as far as I can understand, with um, starting to now see the contract getting into effect. Um, so as you two are both kind of reflecting on your involvement in the process, it seems like you've both given a ton of time to this and the other, um, members of the panel and future podcasters have also said they've given so much blood, sweat, and tears to this. And so it's not necessarily something for everybody. Um, but do you guys feel that you've seen a return in, in your investment of the amount of time you put in? And if so, what are they, what are the, what are the benefits? I can speak to that. Um, so one of the ones, so I will speak to like all of the TA stuff in a second, but one of the ones I want to really highlight is I have so many more connections within our hospital. Um, I can be honest, I did not know anyone from like our neurosurgery program or even like 
other surgical specialties, specialties specifically, because obviously EM and IM are neither one of those are surgical. And I have phone numbers of several of the surgeons now, and I can text them and we can collaborate much more easily um, across the hospital, especially about our patients, which I think is incredible. I think that everyone in medicine knows that there's like always this like medicine surgery divide because our specialties are so different, but really they're not. They're all about caring for patients and having those connections, I think is really helpful for patient care and also just for morale. Um, so I think that that's a huge benefit that you don't expect to see, or I personally didn't expect to see. And then this comes, this question is at a perfect time. We are getting our first um, monetary benefits into our paychecks this uh, this coming cycle. So in like five or six days. So I think that resident financial stress is a huge deal and having something to combat that is really helpful. And I think really brings morale showing that like the hospital is willing to work with the residents and showing that we have like collective power to change things that are important to us. Yeah. For me, I think the gains are more about legacy building and really putting in place the infrastructure for change in the future changes that we can't even anticipate uh, and that you know we've put in place the tools for future residents to be able to bring issues to administration and have a voice with power when they do bring those issues mm -hmm. um, so that's probably what I'm most proud about and we already have that so um, that's very exciting. That is, and it'll be something that'll continue to shape and change the hospital for sure. Um, did you guys experience any, any negatives while you were doing this process? Are there any specific cons that you encountered that you would, would caution people to be wary about? As you mentioned, it is a large time commitment. Um, I don't necessarily think of that as a con um, because I chose to spend my time in that way and I found it to be really valuable. But for some folks, the investment of that time may not be worth the end product, um, especially if you are not going to directly experience the benefits. Other than that, it's hard for me to think of a lot of cons. As Nikki said, this process led to so many conversations with so many people around the hospital, especially in those early days when before we were even collecting cards, when we were trying to figure out if folks wanted a union, just talking to other residents and fellows about, hey, what's working in your department? What's not working? Being able to find those areas of connection um, and really build bridges across departments uh, was really meaningful. And I think, you know, one thing that people worry about is maybe relationships with attending physicians. In my personal experience, all of the attendings that I interacted with were very curious. That was sort of the primary uh, emotion or sentiment was just curiosity of yeah. why we were forming a union, how we were forming a union, um, and more of the logistical process. So I can't personally say that I experienced any cons. I would agree. I would say that the biggest difficulty in union forming is that when you're bargaining specifically, um, obviously I wasn't super involved before that because I wasn't part of a part signing campaign because I wasn't here. But when you're bargaining, there is a lot of time put in. You have to edit proposals. You have to be at the bargaining table. 
And those are not always at like convenient resident times, not that I'm sure that there is a universal convenient resident time, but the, it is late, it is time intensive. And also sometimes like emotionally intensive because obviously the things that administrators want for the hospital is not always the same as what residents want. And that can be really frustrating, sometimes feeling not valued. Um, but I wanted to speak to uh, something that uh, Lena said about attendings. And I think I also experienced primarily positive feedback and um, curiosity. And I think that the landscape for unionization for physicians as a whole and collective power for physicians as a whole, as we move from like private docs, where we're talking about primary care docs who own their own offices to working under like medical groups is something that is or should be a huge conversation right now, um, as we all have less control over exactly how we practice. And so I think that that is something that I heard a lot from attendings is like, oh, we like physicians can unionize, this is wild. Um, so I think that those conversations are also really important because we're not gonna be residents forever, we're gonna be attendings. And regardless of whether you have a physical union or not, you as a group of physicians have a ton of collective power. Just having a white coat and an MD or DO after your name gives you some authority, whether we like that or not, it gives us a ton of responsibility. And having that can, I think, lead to huge collective changes across medicine as a whole. Absolutely. I think that's a common theme that's been brought up um, where this is leading to overall change in the context of the current climate of medicine. And it's, it's a way that we'll learn to do it first as residents. Um, one of the things I've been asking panelists and would love for you to speak to is, is why do we think that so many of the people involved in unionization effort are coming from emergency medicine? I think that part of it is one, obviously everyone in emergency medicine knows that we are in shift work. So when we're on, we're on, when we're off, we're off. So um, not necessarily that we have more off time, but like when we're not on shift, I think we can dedicate that time to uh, things that are important to us more effectively. Um, I also think that we come in contact with the entire community. We're not just coming in contact with people who are getting admitted, but we're coming in contact with a ton of like everyone across the board. And I think that seeing that community and being able to almost do like a daily needs assessment of what the community is missing is really important and makes you want to be able to make those changes within the community that you're working in. I think this is an interesting question because as emergency medicine docs, we are sort of receiving the brunt of all of the systemic failures of American healthcare and society, right? Like everything is showing up at our door. Yeah. Uh, can't get into your PCP, welcome. Uh, need a place to stay overnight because you don't have shelter, welcome. You know, uh, don't have access to your meds, welcome, right? So we are, and because of that, emergency physicians have positioned themselves in a place of political power. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we're used to using political tools and advocacy to help solve the problems that we see on a daily basis because of the position that our jobs put us in as sort of extremely public facing. And I think that that same advocacy can translate into 
examining the issues that we're facing as residents and as medical professionals. Uh, and that just translates really nicely into labor rights and resident unionization. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's it's not at all a reflection of um, people being discontent in EM. It's more of the spirit of advocacy that comes from the personality of the emergency physician, just as you both explained. Um, so excellent comments so far. What advice do you both have for residents who are considering beginning beginning to start unionization at their programs? Do it. <laughs> um, no, I think as we previously discussed, you know, this is a very long process and this is not a solo journey. You need to really have a core group of residents and fellows who are invested in the mission of a union um, and who are willing to be the champions, again, whether or not they individually realize the benefits. Um, and from there, you can start building more of a coalition towards assessing whether or not you have fertile ground for unionization at your shop. Um, that's what I would say. Yeah, just echoing some of that. One, I think that that core team is so important. Um, there are, just, I think Lena and I could easily name like probably 10 or 12 people that are really consistently putting in a lot of work for this union. Um, and we're not always there. There are definitely times where like one really strong leader is at those meetings and you like assess what you need. And also I think it's important to know that you're not doing all of this work on your own. Um, you're doing it with uh, CIR is the most common um, resident or union for residents and interns. It's literally called committee of interns and residents. Um, but I, they, they're doing a lot of work too. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention is unions are not just for programs that are quote unquote malignant or have like immediate problems. Honestly, the best time to unionize is when you're happy with your job. So you can put those benefits on paper and make sure that they continue for all of the residents and interns that come after you. So I think that there is this idea that unions are for like bad programs and UIC is certainly not a bad program. I love it here. There's a reason that it was my top choice, but I it's really important to codify those benefits so you can make changes and have a seat at the table. I think that's a really great point to bring up. And I think it's something that's often left off of this conversation is that the fact that it's not because things are malignant. I think that um, it's, it's just the way to harness that power, like you were saying. And when you're referencing CIR, just so in case our listeners don't know, there's national um, unions that are these formal organizations that are helping equip different residencies to unionize. And there's a couple of different types of unions. Um, the one that UIC is working with is called CIR. Um, and you can look up more information. We'll link to them too in the notes of the show. Um, but there's several different kinds and we're going to get a little bit more into the different types of unions in future episodes. So thank you ladies for your time. I really appreciate chatting with both of you. Is there anything else that you want us want us to address that we haven't covered about unionization that you would really hope to leave the listeners with today? I think that something that I would say is you can, our emails will maybe be in the notes, Lauren, yes. Sure, um, or we can and, filter them for you and send, send from our yeah. personal email too. <laughs> 
Um, (laughs) So even if, even if you're someone who's just starting a union, it feels really lonely and feels really isolating because often those campaigns are underground for a while. And all of the residents who are unionizing across the country are so happy to like help in whatever way we can and be mentors in that process. So even though sometimes it feels very lonely, you are not alone and we are cheering you on from afar. Ditto. I don't have anything else other than what Nikki just said. (laughs) Well, thank you guys both so much for speaking to your efforts and all of the work that you've put into this. Um, It's clear to see your passion um, and how much you care for your patients and the way that being involved in, in unionization is a way for you to advocate. And we here at RSA are champions for emergency physicians that are advocates. And so we're very grateful to have you on to talk about your experiences. Um, continue on in what you're doing and we'll hope to hear more about everything you're accomplishing. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. Thanks for having us and having this conversation. Thanks, Lauren.